podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness. The Filthy 15. What they need Jeez to make yep. headphones that look like ears, <laughs> so that they just look like yeah. gigantic, funny ears, yeah. enormous, like Pee Wee Herman. Uh, what? <laughs> exactly. Welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its continued influence today. My name is Will, and joining me, as always, are my friends and my co-hosts, Ray and Cat. What's up? Hi, Will. Hi, Ray. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good cool. morning. Good. <laughs> hey, on today's show, we're going to be taking a look back at the filthy 15. And that's not my, we're not talking about my, the last 15 things I watched, not on my browsing history. <laughs> talking about songs from the 1980s that the Parents Music Resource Center deemed so obscene as to be dangerous to our youth in the 1980s. Sounds like fun. So, you know, <laughs> Kat's, you know, Kat's, well, Kat's been with us for like six months now, but I know. You, were you aware of the Filthy 15 before we said we were going to Not really. Remember it's about not something that? I really thought about. Yeah. I, it might've entered my head and then it left a yeah. long time ago. Mm. Making space yeah. for something else. <laughs> so, hey, a couple of announcements. Bad news and good news. The bad news is, uh, you know, last week, as you may have known, found out because and we're probably as disappointed as we were that uh, our interview with Cassandra Peterson uh, got postponed. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you guys, I don't know. You tell me if this sounds too creepy. And I shared this with my wife. And if necessary, I'll just cut it out of the show entirely. Okay. But um, reading her book and watching all these interviews with her, I said to, some, to my wife, I think I've fallen in love with Cassandra Peterson. <laughs> you want to know if that's creepy? I guess maybe. Yeah, is she going to hear this and then we're not going to get the uh, get a new Uh-oh. schedule? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I fell in love with her the first time I saw her on TV. Okay. I didn't know anything about her. <laughs> Ray knew the two things he needed to know. Just yep. seeing. <laughs> well, according to my sister, yep. my father said, "Hey, that's a good-looking broad." <laughs> like that's a smart-looking woman. <laughs> her book is great. I highly recommend it, even if we don't have the fortune, great fortune to speak with her at uh, some point in the future. But I trust that we will because she actually called me personally and said, I will not flake out on you. We'll work it out. Um, the good news, however, is on uh, November 20th, this upcoming Saturday, we're going to be speaking with original Ghostbuster Ernie Hudson. Mm-hmm. The, uh, you know, Winston Zeddemore, the guy who grounded the whole thing because he was, he was us watching the movie, right? He's like a skeptic. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, he just wanted a job. Yeah. Again, it's like us, right? Because it's like, look, the other three guys have this like fantasy job. Him, he's like the rest of us. We just take work. We need money. We got bills to pay. <laughs> Mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, and there's there's quite a few people we'd like to shout out and thank, but let's, let's, get, uh, let's do that after we get caught up on 1980s news. All right. Nothing's working today either, huh? Oh, man. What am I pressing? Is this is this a button connected to anything? <laughs> hmm. It does. It feels like we do. <laughs> yes, you know, if it's not, not clear, I don't know if we should keep it a secret. If it's not clear to everyone, due to a number of circumstances, we're recording on bright and early on Saturday on a Saturday morning here. That's mm-hmm. right. We're up at the butt crack of dawn to yeah. do this one. The sun is not out. I haven't even heard a rooster crow yet. Mm. <laughs> but hey, that's how committed we are to this show, right? 
<laughs> hey, uh, so in a 1980s news this week, we saw a final, as they're calling a final trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife, which comes out this way. Yes. Uh, so excited. very exciting. Yeah. So, so did you guys check it out? Yes. Yep. You know, I did I watched so, it a couple times. <laughs> I did so unwillingly. I did it only for the show. I don't think I would have watched it otherwise, <laughs> except for we can talk okay. about it because I don't want to see any more spoilers. And, and mm-hmm. folks were doing breakdown videos. And so I knew, oh, there's a lot of stuff to analyze. But um, they ruined the movie for you. Yep. But I watched this one because I needed to, to to see what was going on for the show. And yep. <laughs> and, and then I heard the magic man's voice at the end of this. Yes. One. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right, so we should work our way up to it. Is there any, uh, let's see, any, any other stuff we can spot? And, okay, and spoilers for anybody who doesn't want to know. Just skip ahead. I don't know. Four minutes or something like that. <laughs> skip ahead a few yeah, minutes. If, if you, yeah, skip ahead about 20 minutes. And yeah. We'll be wrapping up the show. <laughs> but yeah, so early, so look, there's a number of things in this trailer that we've seen in prior trailers or other uh, commercial teasers, all these kinds of things. But there are some new things that we see, including, I think we've got our first or maybe a different sort of glimpse of a Gozer's Temple, which mm-hmm. is, you know, that temple at the end that's at the, at the Seems to be at least a, it's it's in some other dimension, but it's at the top of the penthouse, uh, you know, in Central Park at the in the uh, yeah, climactic finale of the uh, original film. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it. It looks this time like it's in that mine, probably that the kids were going to explore. Because you see, it's kind of rocky, but it's that mm-hmm. same idea. It seems like where it's not really there. It's some other dimension or something, maybe. But um, and we see what looks like a, a. I'm sorry, we see a terror dog. You know, at, mm-hmm. uh, again. Ultimately, these some of these scenes are not what I'm describing is not in uh, chronological yeah, order. Yeah, right, 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 right. What I thought was cool is when they show this terror dog that seems to be at the temple. Is it seems to me like they did an effect to make it seem like the 1980s, like the best 1980s FX we could get at the time. You know, a lot of these things are. Um, and the terror dogs in the original film were stop motion animation often. Sometimes they were actually full, you know, size uh, things that couldn't move. If you remember, it was like sitting on a bed and sitting on a floor, like didn't go anywhere. <laughs> when it's moving around, it was stop motion. And so they, you know, using blue screen, let's say, right, they matted into the shot. They made it look like it had that line, like you'd see in a lot of 80s films and that bad mm-hmm. sort of matting, right? I thought that was pretty Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see yep. a ghost. I didn't catch this. I'll be honest with you. I saw this on a website. <laughs> we see a ghost. The end. We see ghosts. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this on a website. They said that one of the ghosts that we see is the bug-eyed ghost from the original Kenner toy line. Oh. So one ghost leaves like the uh, at the, the store or the bar and he, he, he jumps into like this, there's just like a giant eyeball just sort of waiting for some reason. Oh. I don't know what it is. He sort of gets stuck in his head. <laughs> I didn't know this was a toy back, I don't know if it was the 80s or, or it had to be starting in the 80s, right? With the, uh, maybe the real Ghostbusters. It's probably a real Ghostbusters toy from the cartoon because mm-hmm. the cartoon is when we got the toys. We didn't get any toys for the movie, I don't think. I guess it would depend on how old the person was doing the video you saw where it came from. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd be guessing. Mm-hmm. Probably in 30s or 40s. Because if they're younger, then it would be from the cartoon most likely. Right. Yeah. 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 And I don't think we got any toys from the actual film itself. No. And then, and then ultimately, I guess the, the big thing is like what Ray was leading to. Yeah. The voice of Bill Murray, who is Vankman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We hear him. And we hear a lengthy diatribe from uh, Mr. Aykroyd himself. Right. explaining things but at the very end you get the the one line from bill murray so that's all you need to know yeah <laughs> no spoilers was, i wonder if that was him reading that again or if it's from the original movie because he reads yeah or, you know, they talk about revelations and it sounded to me the quality of it sounded like 
from the film. Like they just lifted it from okay. the film. What, okay. You know, yeah. why didn't they use Bill Murray's infamous line? Yes, this man has no dick in the trailer. <laughs> huh? Oh, what would they I put that why. over? <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're just using random stuff from the, the old movie to yeah. play over the trailer, they could have done that. It's not random. It's emotionally connected. <laughs> now, maybe if instead they had like cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. <laughs> that kind of balances what you're going for, I think, with the, mm-hmm. the trailer producers. And I think the final image we see is it appears to be the three remaining Ghostbusters lined up in their original uniforms and they're withholding their original proton packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like if the middle person is Vankman, which would make sense. I think he usually is the fo- the guy standing in the middle. He has a wedding ring on. So I wonder if he's now married to uh, Dino. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Hey, the movie opens uh, this week, November 19th. And I'm trying to talk Ray into going to the movie theater with me for the first time. Think about it. I've known Ray for I don't know how many years now. 10 years, nine years, eight, Something seven, like six. That, yeah. some this number. would be the first time? Yeah, first time. That you'd go to a movie together? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ray. Ray. Generally, like something like this, I'll go see with my kids. Yeah. He doesn't think of me as his kid, so. <laughs> well, I guess that's probably a good thing. So <laughs> it, it would be like, hey, I'm going to go see Ghostbusters. And they'd be mm-hmm. like, well, what about us? <laughs> Yeah, but that's not what you say. Puppy dog eyes. You gotta think. You say, "Hey, I'm going to the library to do some research in an encyclopedia." (laughs) They'd want to go to that too, though. Dang it, your kids are. You gotta come up with something else. Hey, I'm I'm gonna go garbage picking tonight. You want (laughs) to come with me? Uh, I can see your son being interested in that. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Try to think of something that would shake both of them off because they're very different. Yes, that's tricky. So I could see. Do you have to go alone together? Can't you go with your kids, your families together? Well, I wasn't planning on taking my family initially because I just oh. got to get it done. Their schedules are so busy. The, the, mm. For the stars to align that we would all get to see it, it's mm-hmm. be challenging. And I, I want to see it before, you know, we talk to Mr. Hudson. So mm-hmm. it's tough. If I lived closer, I would go. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Cat. I know Cat would go. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> now I'm wondering if, you know, this is, look, this is the thing that I've always wondered because I've never gotten to see, I've never been able to see a movie with Ray. Will he insist we have a seat between us? For the, quote, popcorn. <laughs> no. Okay. No, right. but we have to sit in the middle. Yeah, no, oh. that's, yeah, that's a done, of course. The exact yeah. center of the theater is where we have to sit. Uh, that, I do try to do that all the time, too, yeah. With mm-hmm. uh, a giant bucket of popcorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. All right. Another, uh, another 1980s news, per The Insider, Will Smith says the reason he never used expletives in his uh, 1980s songs, or uh, yeah, let's see about all of his songs. Yeah, probably any of his music is not related to his quote middle class upbringing. So Will Smith has a new book that just came out called Will, and he said that his <laughs> socioeconomic status played a part in the criticism he faced when he entered the uh, world of hip hop as a teen. Uh, according to Smith, growing up in a middle class household, uh, Smith's story was quote very different than the ones being told by the young black men who are launching the global phenomenon that would become hip hop. End quote. As a result, per Smith, in their minds, I was somehow an illegitimate artist. I didn't curse. I rapped about my high school experiences. I used a lot of humor. And now he swears because he says, quote, the talking was that I wasn't a real MC or the words that I wasn't black enough, end quote. Uh, so in chapter four of this memoir, uh, he explains why he never used expletives. And it didn't have, have anything to do with his, you know, particular social class. Instead, he said he felt a sense of shame when his, at 12 years old, his grandmother found his his rap notebook. You know, we write all his verses just like Ray does, in which he crafted uh, his ver- And at that time, his songs were full of vulgarities, uh, similar to what you know he liked in the hip hop at the time. 
And although his grandmother never verbally com- confronted him about it, she left a note inside the book saying to, quote, uplift others. And as a result, he never cursed again. At least not in his songs. Now, you guys aren't huge hip-hop fans like I am, but um, were you fans of uh, Will Smith? I can tell you this about this. As yeah. far as hip-hop goes and that period of time, yeah. I think he's correct. He was seen more as a parody artist mm. than an actual hip-hop artist by most people. Okay. Because he sang about things he knew instead of gangster rap. And in fairness to him, a lot of those other guys were also from middle-class upbringings, I'll mm. bet, and yeah. still rap <laughs> and swore and mm. talked about all the gun violence that they yeah. never saw. Straight out of the suburbs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I missed the bus this morning. Damn. <laughs> As he swears, but just not in his music. Yeah. Because I've heard him swear lots of times, just never, never okay. in a song, which mm. I think is probably harder to do. <laughs> you need to rely on all the words you need. Yeah. Uh, yeah I never made a yeah. distinction between him and other artists. You know, as you guys know, I was a big fan of hip hop. I, I thought yeah. of him as the same as, you know, anybody else. It's just, for me, it was all the same. I think that was one of the joys of hip hop early on certainly was. And even early hip hop, especially is it could really be anything, but oftentimes in addition to having signature like samples to create the music, the, the content oftentimes, you know, varied from being something about, you know, something real that was happening in the, I shouldn't say that, it was always real. And for him, the real thing mm-hmm. was the things he wrote about. I guess that's the sort of common theme. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, so I liked it. That's weird too, because now that I think about it, like uh, Run DMC, Fat Boys, Cool Mo D, a lot of their stuff wasn't dirty, nasty either though. But for yeah. some reason, I always viewed him as more of a parody artist and not right. them. I don't know why. I wonder if it's the music videos, because, you know, he had those really colorful, silly, like sped up kind of, you know, shenanigans in the videos that, uh, but you're right. Mm -hmm. You're right, Mm Ray. Yeah. Uh, A lot. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Part of it was, and like we're going to talk about today is you couldn't swear in a song and get on the radio. So if Mm -hmm. your goal Mm -hmm. was to get on the radio, you couldn't do it. (laughs) And even, you know, so in in groups and the NWA and the gangster rap scene that developed in the West Coast and then the East Coast rivalry later in the 80s and in the early 90s, you know, they would have alternate versions or censored versions of songs to get them on the radio. But early in the 80s, you swore you just didn't get on the radio. I don't. (laughs) Right. I mean. Right. Makes sense. You'd wind up on a list of the filthy 15. (laughs) (laughs) Really. You did it right. So, uh, okay. So similarly, uh, also in 1980s news, we learned per the Atlanta Black Star, Sandra Denton says police were trying to stop them from performing Push It after lyric confusion. So Sandra Denton, better known as uh, Peppa. Peppa! As, uh, <laughs> you ever seen that clip of Patrick Stewart introducing them on Standard Life? It goes around all the time. Salt and Peppa! <laughs> she recently revealed that the, the hip hop group's biggest record almost got them in some big trouble. Uh, during Glamour Magazine's Women of the Year award ceremony that took place on Monday, November 8th, Denton told Page Six that law enforcement would attend their live shows waiting for the hip-hop group to perform their 1986 record, Push It. Now, when I first read that part of the story, I thought, that's enough. And again, maybe it's because I've been, you know, diving into Filthy 15 for several days now. Was I thought <laughs> just the note, you know, and again, she's talking about shows back in the day, I think. Mm-hmm. The notion that they're singing about push it, push it real good, that that might be enough for local law enforcement to say you got to come off because of some local obscenity laws. We've heard stories like this before, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that. Right. <laughs> the police told them, if you say a curse word, we're going to take you off the stage. So innuendo wasn't enough for these cops. You had to, you got to say a bad word. Then explained, <laughs> explained, uh, we were saying push it, but the local law enforcement thought they were saying 
really real good. <laughs> you yep. know what's funny about that? It just occurred to me that that song, that that version is like you know a Nicki Minaj or a mm-hmm. what's the real uh, Megan Thee Stallion or um right that, right that'd be a big that'd be a big hit today. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> was that that WAP song W A P right. Yes. Yeah. Who's is that, is that? Is that Nicki Minaj? No, that's not Nicki Minaj, is it? That's that's it's, um, uh, that's Megan Thee Stallion. Cardi B. Oh, and, Thee Stallion. And, and, Cardi and Cardi B. Oh, and Cardi B. B. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying yeah. to get. Cardi B. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she said we had the police were waiting for us. We had to show them the lyrics. We're saying push it, not push. It. And then it's oh, oh, okay, okay, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> the uh, the what a man rapper who presented fellow female MC Megan Thee Stallion with an award shared how blown away she is that hip hop evolved for women since she and her bandmates got their start in the music industry in the mid eighties, um, and uh, since the time of their group's later single uh, in the nineties, let's talk about sex. Which yeah, I do remember even in the nineties, I was a little like oh. Right. She's on the radio. Oh, no. Right. Seemed a little racy. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have kids at the time, so I was worried about them hearing about it. I wouldn't be worried mm-hmm. about hearing about it now. I mean, whatever. Mm-hmm. And much of their success on Peppa can be arguably be attributed to them pushing, no pun intended, the envelope real good. <laughs> or maybe pun intended. When it, when it came to yeah. their music subject, because they talked about sex in a lot of songs. You know, they tried to do it in some clever ways, some more a little overt um, mm-hmm. which many of the female rappers weren't doing at the time, certainly not doing it as they did. Um, Denton is currently starring in the WE or WE, WE TV series, Growing Up Hip Hop, which I've never seen. Maybe I should check that out, which also stars mm. her daughter, Egypt, as she gears up to go on tour with the new kids on the block. We know about that. Yeah. Right. You don't want to have any comments about push That's it right. real good or <laughs> real good. Nah, I like that song though. That's a good song. I like that one. I'm so glad Kat's <laughs> on the show now. I can embarrass myself. It's uh, <laughs> it's funny because when we used to go see hair metal bands back in yeah. back in the day at the Akron Agora, when it was still open, they would play that song like before the bands would come out. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, for, I don't know what the connection was to <laughs> the bands or whatever, but it didn't matter what band was playing. That was one of the songs that they always played before yeah. the bands went on. That is funny. <laughs> yeah, I think there's some like you know crew, a person, or backstage. You're like, I'm gonna screw with these metalheads. <laughs> I, I just think whoever somebody really liked that song. I don't know who yep. it was. Oh, so every every show that's the same. It's the same. It uh, was playlist. yeah. It was the same play. Basic same playlist. Wait, at the same venue was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, that was 1980s news. All right. Hey, you can see the the, the sounds are waking up now. Mm-hmm. It's like right mm-hmm. at 12:05 <laughs> on a Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, we're not quite there yet. No, no. Yeah, not a Monday. The buttons are ahead of you. But they're they're digital, so, you know, that makes sense. They're getting ready to take us over. Hey, if you're a fan of the show, you probably, huh, push it real good. Uh, Oh, man. Oh, boy. I always get worried when Ray makes a face like I've gone too far. Okay, hey, whatever. I'm just wondering if you're having a stroke. Hey, please rate. Seriously, check this out. Review the show wherever you listen to it. Subscribe. So you know that another one's coming. Like us on Facebook. Do all those things. Seriously, it's free. Just check it out. It, it helps us a lot. Hey, mm-hmm. speaking of that, there's a number of folks that have been listening to us for since the very beginning, essentially. And we wanted to give some shout outs here to, uh, shout out here to, a, to Michelle. A very special congratulations to Michelle. Michelle's mm-hmm. been a listener for at least over a year because I know when she first reached out to us back then, she sent us a photo of a very adorable new baby girl with a message, Aww. quote, youngest listener, been listening since in my belly. And wow. Congratulations, Michelle. So, 
so amazing. I, wow. That's so sweet. She, she is raising her daughter right mm-hmm. on the 1980s. <laughs> right. And I feel bad about saying all that push it real good and stuff. Oh, the baby's getting off to a bad start. Hey, no pushing babies. You got to come out, right? <laughs> hey, Michelle, Whoops. right. We could have helped you in the, op- in the operating room, in the hospital. Push it real good. You're right. No doubt she did. <laughs> and, and I wanted to mention in response to our, our most recent guest, Violet Sky, many people liked and commented on the episode, including two of Violet's Instagram followers. And I just wanted to mention what they said. Uh, Beansy mm. Cat wrote, this was so much fun to listen to. I love the hosts. That's the only reason I mentioned this, right? Aww. I cracked up when he said you could have been a flapper. This inspires me to find vintage 80s clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. I do want to do that. I don't know what I would wear though. Hmm. Hey, I found some. Yeah, I should have brought it downstairs. Closet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found two bandanas. Oh. I found a neon pink oh. and white tiger stripe bandana. Oh. It's it's from, I was, yeah, I was 14. Say, how would you know? Yeah. How would you know if it's a bandana? It's pretty generic, but you know, it's from. But I owned it. It was oh. mine. <laughs> I owned it. <laughs> And also a, a pink and black uh, checkered one, you know, the checkerboard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, That's the one cool. you tied around your leg. Huh. Yes. Now, was ankle. That? Wait a second. I, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good yeah. Cat. It was around the ankle. Um, and I think at one point I might've managed it around my waist. <laughs> wow. But no, no, not now. <laughs> wait, no, wait, wait, you mentioned that. Now, wasn't there like, I don't know if this is true or not. There was like code you'd say like around the leg I'm taken, around the ankle I'm available. Oh. Wasn't there some kind of thing like that? What's All I know is it, it you watched videos yeah. and then whatever they did, you did. I see. That's it. Yeah. That's how you dressed. Mm. So around fifth grade, it would have been jeans, the bandana tied around one of the legs okay. mm-hmm. and, a, and a Union Jack t-shirt. Oh yeah. I had one of those, but no you, sleeves. You had to, yeah. No sleeves. Couldn't have sleeves. Yeah. So you had to cut the <laughs> sleeves off basically every shirt you yeah. owned if you watched 80s metal. Right. So. Well, Joe Elliott had wore like the sleeveless one in one of the videos or something. Right. So that's why. And I then you mine. had to have that gigantic comb in your back pocket, that big <laughs> blue plastic comb with the big handle. Right. That you could have assaulted someone with. You had to have that in your back pocket. Yeah. I wish I could have combed my hair in high school, but I know what you're talking about. In Gotti the Body commented, I was listening to this on my way to work today. So good. People on the side of the road were looking at me like, it's Monday. You put a lot of smiley, <laughs> laughing faces there. Um, also, <laughs> hey, we wanted to. We also got a message from a new care, uh, Patreon supporter, Karen, who wrote, "I'm listening to this week's episode, enjoying the discussion about the Rock Hall of Fame. I learned so much from your show, or you remind me of things I somehow forgot." Thanks, Karen. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Do your own research, Karen. <laughs> that doesn't even sound threatening. <laughs> Don't. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to see it. Yeah, I paused for a moment there. No. Yeah. <laughs> we do a lot of research, Karen. So, yeah. You guys always you remind me of things I've forgotten. Trust us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with Karen. And that's that. Okay, hey, so today on the show, as we mentioned, we're going to be talking about the Filthy 15. You know, so Ray and I are going to take us through this Filthy 15. Kat, uh, we gave her the week <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm having to learn about anything. <laughs> <laughs> but she'll play the role of the person who, you know, is learning about this. And she'd ask as many questions as she has about this uh, story and right. about the songs in particular. Uh, and we'll learn, uh, you know, I'm sure, Kat, I'm seriously, I'm sure any number of these songs on the Filthy 15, you probably were a fan of as a kid in the 1980s. I mean, I think that's the mm-hmm. most surprising thing to me 
was that these got by my parents. I mean, <laughs> it was the 80s. Everybody was a latchkey kid. Parents weren't checking anything. What are they? My parents this, were not paying attention to the radio. <laughs> that's probably the most ridiculous thing, this whole thing, right? I mean, <laughs> the parents weren't, even if they put a label on it, I don't think my parents were going to, all right, whatever. Right, okay. yeah. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to mention this book, The Satanic Panic, Pop Cultural Paranoia in the 1980s. It's a book we've looked at a number of different times for different uh, angles on yeah, the satanic yeah. panic inspiration, yeah. stuff like that. Inspiration. You should, seriously, check it out. If you're interested in that era at all, it covers the gamut of the different pop cultural and cultural connections, intersections between the satanic panic and whatever you're interested in finding. This, this, Some of the information that we're going to be talking about today I got from the chapter called The Filthy 15, when Venom and mm. King Diamond met the Washington Wives, which sounds like an Abbott and Costello film, but... Yes. And that's by Lisa Ladelsir. Ladelsir, I'll say. It's probably Laudauker, but <laughs> maybe she's, she might be Canadian or French Canadian or who knows. Sounds French. Or French whatever, or whatever. Way. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> who am I? I'm not, uh, what's that DNA 23 and me? Don't come here, Lisa, for that information. Why 23 and me? Isn't that a store where girls go buy clothes? <laughs> <laughs> They're hitting all the ages. Really nuanced. 21 forever, right? A forever 21. There you go. 23 yes. and me. Hey, there's a niche. You see it's wide open there. Something for the 22-year-olds. <laughs> Get that. So, okay, here we go. <laughs> so you'd never, the crazy, look, again, this list is crazy. You'd never suspect that Cindy Lauper would be on the same list as the founders of black metal. Venom. What? Ray will tell us more about them when we get there. Okay. But, but, but that's precisely what happened in 1985 when those musical acts joined 13 others on the Filthy 15. A list of songs that of the, of the new, the then newly formed group, the Parents Music Resource Center, PMRC. Mm. Mm-hmm. They had deemed these songs a threat, like a literal threat to the youth of the 1980s. And so we're going to share the story of why these particular tracks were given this dubious distinction today. Uh, that's going to be the subject of our episode today. Um, and we're going to get to the songs. Ray's going to take us through these songs because I, I bet you Ray knows, was familiar with 14 out of 15 of these uh, <laughs> because he had the records, at least. Um, He's going to sing them for us, right? It's, it's called the shopping list, not the filthy 15. <laughs> but, but not only were they just, you know, put on a list and it, it deemed sort of, you know, worrisome, but they were given designations that highlighted why the song was offensive. And the four categories included mm. explicit, for, for sexual uh, references, mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol was another category, violence and occult. Uh, mm. And now that you know that, uh, it's uh, once again, it's time to play. You're gonna burn in hell. <laughs> Uh-oh. So <laughs> Ray's gonna walk us through this list as we uh, unpack the story, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. But as I mentioned, part of the fear of the songs is that it's tied to the satanic panic. And we're gonna show you how that is in just a moment. Uh, Again, the satanic panic had been simmering for decades, but in the 1980s, it really flared up again for a particular reason. We'll get into that. Um, so it's no surprise um, that nine of the 15 songs targeted by the PMRC were heavy metal tracks, right? It seems like, you know, but Kat, I want to- seem surprising? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I want to see if you can, now knowing the four categories that I've given you, Kat, mm-hmm. this is a real easy thing right here. You guess and we'll find out as we go along here. How okay. many of those nine songs- were tagged as being occult. So again, oh. they could have been explicit. And there's, they, they, they were in one category exclu- uh, uh, exclusively, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, explicit, drugs and alcohol, violence, or occult. How many of the nine of the 15 do you think were occult? I'm going to say three. 
Why'd you get so low? All right, whatever. Okay. <laughs> what? Nothing. All right, so uh, we'll you know we'll find out as we go through it. Okay. How about that? Okay, because I'm I'm cool? no expert in heavy metal. Yeah. I'm just pulling that out. <laughs> now, we, we, you know, one could At least argue, three. Yeah, one could argue that people have been freaking out in America about Satan since the Salem witch trials, right? I mean, if you think about back in history, but in the, in the 20th century, those fears began to reemerge in the 1960s with the Manson family. Uh, the Church of Satan was founded in 1966. We had the Zodiac Killer. And throughout the 1970s, we had a whole new group of serial killers. We had The Exorcist, both the book and the film. But in 1980, this reached a new level of mass hysteria because of one particular book. I mean, everything seems to go back to this one book written by this one wacko, and that is Michelle Remembers, which was a book written by a Canadian psychiatrist, Lawrence Pazder. He co-wrote it with his patient, uh, Michelle Smith. And Rayev and I have talked about this before. If you want to blame anybody for the mass hysteria that we even have today over Satan, probably this jackass. <laughs> the book, just so you, you don't know, Cap, but the, probably don't know. The book documents Smith's memories of events that she uh, recovered during, you know, uh, hypnotherapy. Okay. Uh, and mm -hmm. during this, uh, you know, these revelations she had included many satanic rituals that she believed she was forced to attend in the 50s. Uh, some at the hands of the Church of Satan. One ritual she claimed summoned Satan himself and required the intervention of Jesus, the Virgin Mary, and Michael, the archangel, uh, <sighs> to free them from the clutches of the devil. During the rites, Smith was allegedly tortured, sexually assaulted, and witnessed several human sacrifices. The claims they made were so shocking, this eventually attracted the attention of the Vatican, who uh, Pazder and Smith ultimately visited. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> well, isn't this the story, though, that happened at the daycare center where she went? No, but you're right. It's connected to that in a sense, because ultimately what happened, well, so, so the book itself, soon after it comes out, people start questioning and, and uh, showing how many of the allegations are not true, including the fact that Pazder withdrew his assert assertion about the Church of Satan after Anton oh. LaVey, who founded the Church of Satan, threatened to sue them for libel. Oh. Because the Church of Satan was founded in 1966 and Michelle remembered being accosted by them in 1955. In the 50s, okay. Unless time travel was also involved. I mean, we got, <laughs> why not? But no one could, they couldn't prove any of these things that she asserted uh, in the book. Okay. But can, mm -hmm. people continued to believe it. And, and by the way, the book never mentioned the fact that the two of them, had, doctor and patient, left their, their respective spouses and got married. Mm -hmm. So they had a completely inappropriate relationship during this, this whole thing. Sounds anyway. like it. Yep. Yep. Uh, it seemed pe people that looked into it seemed like what they did was just pull from different popular movies and books and stuff, TV shows at the time and just stick them in their thing as if she remembered it. Right. right. But what Ray was referring to is, yeah, the McMartin uh, preschool trial, which was, the, I think to this day is like the longest trial ever in the United States lasts at least six or seven years. Uh, in 1983, so again, this is just a few years after this book comes out, and people are thinking there really are Satanists out there sacrificing humans and ch abusing, sexually abusing children. Even though they've been disproven, it's still out there. And so mm -hmm. in 1983, members of the McMartin family that owned this preschool were accused of hundreds of acts of sexual abuse of the children that were in their care. Mm -hmm. uh, arrests were made and uh, an investigation started in 1984 through 1987, and then we had multiple trials through 87 through 90. It lasted seven years, but no convictions and all the charges were dropped. It all turned out to be a bunch of things that the stories that from these children, they were de determined to have been coerced, coerced from them from investigators. 
They were wow. basically getting this kid to say what they wanted about what the McMartins had done to them. Right. Guess who was uh, an expert on this trial? Lawrence Pazder, the guy who wrote the Michelle. Oh no. Yeah. And this guy keeps <sighs> popping up in 1985 when the PMR, PMRC begins and the U S Senate has this, uh, you know, hearing that we're going to talk about, uh, ABC airs this uh, TV special that, again, just <laughs> things are boiling over now. The TV special is mm-hmm. the devil worshipers, and it's focusing on, you know, how we've got these cultists in our country that are doing these crazy things. Um, mm-hmm. This is also part of this sort of chain of events that, you know, just further ignited the national hysteria about anything occult. And appearing mm-hmm. on that show as an expert, Lawrence Pazder, the discredited psychologist who wrote a book that turns out to be complete fiction. So there's still even though he should be humiliated and, you know, go into a hole. No, he's got a whole industry. And he keeps <laughs> popping up throughout the 1980s with this nonsense. All right. Wow. Hey, that's a little backstory to get us to the, the Filthy 15. And uh, Ray's going to tell us about, uh, what, five of the songs off the list. <laughs> so we're going to start with Twisted Sisters. We're not going to take it. Yeah. I love that song. Which so is the offensive. first single. Yeah, it's super offensive. So that's on the list. Yeah, it's the first single off Stay Hungry. Number Made it to number 21 on the Billboard Hot 100, but still made the Filthy 15. Considered the 47th best song of the 80s by VH1. Mm-hmm. What do you think this one's on the list for? Um, it's basically sex, drugs, violence, or a cult. It has to be maybe violence. Like maybe... Huh. We're not going to take it. And except, <laughs> yep. but doesn't he say you're all a bunch of losers? Like maybe, <laughs> maybe for insulting well, someone. I don't know. You're all worthless and uh, weak, right? Worthless and weak. Well, the explicit <laughs> yeah. lyrics are, we'll fight the powers that be. We're not going to take it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if you watch the video, there's a lot of cartoon violence in the video. I haven't watched so that in a while. Okay. The PMRC tied the lyrics with what was happening in the video to make it seem like the song was about violence instead of standing up for yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's right. Yeah, she's right. I was right. Yay. <laughs> I have to I have to say something yeah. before we continue is that I am historically not really good at listening to lyrics. Oh, oh that's not going to help you in this. Yeah. <laughs> because I I go for it more for the sound of a song, the feeling of it. Does it make me want to dance? You know, more, yeah, yeah. like an emotive kind of thing. Mm. So I'm not, I'm not good at scrutinizing lyrics. Eh, that one's silly for being on there because it's kind of a stretch. I agree. Now, the next one is from Black Sabbath's 11th album. Yep. Doesn't have Ozzy, mm. which is mind boggling. Mm. Doesn't mm. even have Dio. This is the album that Ian Gillen sang on. Oh, and the okay. song is called Trash. So, so if you're going to guess, what's your guess on this one? Trashed. Um, well, when I hear that word, I, I think of someone getting trashed, someone drinking too much. <laughs> it's about taking the garbage <laughs> out. Or that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, this one is about getting drunk and crashing a car. So you're right again. All right. <laughs> it's funny because they said this is not glorifying drink. You know, drinking and driving. But here's a funny story about drinking and driving where I crashed the car that belonged to the drummer. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the filthiest thing about this song is that Ian Gillen sang it. It's not very good. Ozzy's got like eight other songs from his 
solo stuff they could have picked over this one. Yeah. I have okay. no idea how this one ended up on this list yeah. either. Right. So why that over over others? Not a picture of a bunch of interns just at a record store, literally looking through like pictures. Oh wait, hang on a second. This one's got a pentagram on it. It does have a little red <laughs> devil baby on the cover. That's so. it. I guarantee. That's it. Yep. That's All right. It. Here comes another weird one. This is uh, Sheena Easton. Oh Sugar yeah. Walls. Okay. Written by yep. Prince. Yeah, basically, she had sex with Prince, so he wrote a song for her, and I think that's why it's on this list, because he's such a pervert. <laughs> and uh, have you ever heard the story of their first date, no. Prince and no. Easton? No. Please do tell. So uh, his limo driver tells this story that he picks up Prince, and he's super excited, and they go to pick up Sheena. And he says, I'm not going to say a word to her all night. I'm going to communicate with my eyes. We're going to oh, have boy. a meaningful dinner. So the limo driver's like, all right, I'll wait out here. So she gets in the car and he tells Sheena this and she keeps saying, no, really, you're not going to talk to me all night. And the driver says, he just keeps staring at her with this smile on his face. And he says nothing to her the entire hour and a half there at dinner. Mm. So they come back out to the car. She's yelling. I can't believe you did this. They get in the car. They drop her off. Prince is like, that was amazing. So Awesome. (laughs) Can you take me to get ice cream now? So he drives around all over looking for this dude's favorite ice cream. Then he takes him to this creepy house and Prince says, I'll be back in a little bit. He has no idea what he went there for. He left the ice cream in the car. He comes back out. He's eating the mushy ice cream as he drives him home. And Mm. that was their first date. And eventually she was so smitten with this that they actually started dating after that. Mm. And did they talk? <laughs> did he start uh, speaking to her? <laughs> well, eventually he had to write the song, you know. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. so what do you think Sugar Wall is on the list for? Okay. Well, sounds like there's um, some romance involved there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm thinking uh, it must be in the sexual category <laughs> of offensiveness. <laughs> Look at you. You're nailing these. I am. When this song came out. I don't know this is our age. This is like I was thirteen years or so old or so. So you know, uh, you know, hormonally charged. I don't <laughs> think I remember hearing the song and thinking, "Is this some kind of gross allegory or metaphor?" It can't be. They wouldn't do that. It's just weird, right? So you did think that? I, I questioned it, but then ultimately I said it can't be. It seems like bad writing and kind of weird and gross and <laughs> my sugar well, walls. Uh, oh, here you go. Blood races to your private spots. Mm-hmm. Let's me know there's a fire. Come spend the night inside my sugar walls. I don't even remember those real words to it. And that is I the, didn't pay attention. That is the explicit yeah. lyric that <laughs> wow. they point out, but it's wow. pointed out by the PMRC. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I can he- kind of hear this song in my head, the tune of my it. My sugar yes. walls. <laughs> I can, but I, I, at that age, I wasn't paying attention to what she was actually saying. Mm, I didn't, wow. yeah. I only knew the sugar walls part. Jeez, I guess I would have, yeah. Had I recognized those <laughs> words, I think I would have been like, oh no, they did that. <laughs> that's, that's straight up saying it. I like Prince at the time said, quote, cause you know, they asked him about how he felt about being on this. Let's see a quote. A lot of people have the idea that I'm a wild sexual person. To some degree I am, but not 24 <laughs> hours a day. <laughs> Sometimes he likes to eat ice cream. Yeah, go to haunted houses. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So glad he clarified. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So (laughs) this next one is also another one that I had never heard of. Mm. And when I listened to it, I was like, this song stinks. Yeah. It's trash. (laughs) It's Vanity 
Strap on Robbie Baby. I never heard of this. Well, interestingly yeah. enough, uh, Vanity was dating Prince at the time yep. this song oh. came, was coming out. Hmm. <laughs> he had met her when she was at an awards event with Rick, Rick James, of all people. It was her... <sighs> She yeah. was Super Rick James's freak. date that night. I don't remember the song at all. I think it is funny though no. that you've already mentioned two songs that are somehow tied to Prince. Yes. Not two artists, you know. Yeah, he didn't write this song. She wrote it with her or her then uh, okay. uh, boyfriend at the time, Robbie somebody or other. What was it? Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, She's strapping something on with Robbie. I, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So so what do you got, Cat? What do you think? Um. Well, Prince is involved. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going for the sex. <laughs> yep. And the explicit lyrics that the PMRC pointed out are come on and stroke me. Strap this thing on tight. If you want to glide down my hallway, it's open. Strap yourself in and ride. Huh? This okay. is a radio song. Uh, yeah, wow. It song. wasn't very good. I checked it out for show purposes. Yeah. It's bad. All right. Oh, well, I just I'll be doing that. We can listen to racy things now and say for show purposes. I like this. Look right. Going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that sex dwarf song that I was checking out for the what? Halloween. Yep. Oh. <laughs> Which I watched okay. the. <laughs> I, I listened to it for show purposes only. This is isn't that what uh, what's his name Pete Townsend told the FBI when they raided his right. house, took his computer. Oh no! Right, he was doing research. So anyways, here's here's song number five, which is Cindy Lauper, Sheba. Yeah, it's basically the wouldn't you want to be a pepper two chorus, you know. She bop, we bop, I bop, wouldn't you want to be a bopper two? Wouldn't you want to be a bopper yes. two? <laughs> well, I learned about yeah. this song on this show. And, <laughs> yeah, this I think we podcast. talked at that time, like, didn't know any of the lyrics she was saying in the verses. <laughs> Otherwise, I maybe a red flag would, look, not a red flag, who would care so ultimately, but. Right, uh, right. So what's um, your guess? It's got to be sex. <laughs> But yep. for that episode, you wouldn't have probably known, right? I mean, I nope, yeah. <laughs> would not. <laughs> I yeah, nope. I nope. want to go south and get me some more. They say I better stop or I'll go blind. I thought she was talking about uh, that barbecue sauce they had. Right, down, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's right. The vinegar based. <laughs> what is it? But it's it's funny because if you watch the video, it's very very clear this song is about masturbation. It's if you watch clear. the video. Oh, yes. Hmm. I don't remember the video. If you go back and watch the video, there are a lot of little things she does in the video that are clearly tied to the lyrics and are clearly related to masturbation. I'm going to wow. watch it for show purposes. I need to go watch it. Yes, yep. same. And <laughs> this wow. song went to number three on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I mean, so you got radio stations, you know, which ultimately are accountable to the uh, FCC playing these songs that another group that is now, and that the PLMRC is not a government group, but what we're going right. to talk about how is they were okay. tied sort of to the government through familial connections. Uh, that's saying these are offensive. Meanwhile, the radio is playing them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and clueless me, I had no idea yeah. it was offensive. Well, no, I'm not saying it was offensive, but yeah, that it was supposed to be. I don't see how masturbation <laughs> is offensive. Yes. I, it, well, it's yeah. not. And so. Unless you're. Yeah. Louis C.K. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, Wait. right. If you're surprising people with it, then yes, <laughs> it's offensive. Or if you're Jeffrey Tubin, that guy at CNN reporter. Wow. 
I mean, look again, like racism. It's not a bad thing. You just you don't it's do what people thing. are expecting to see. Yeah. You're not expecting to see that. Hmm. Try not to do it at Walmart or on the bus, and you'll probably be okay. Or at work, yeah, during a work yeah. meeting. It's a private thing, right? Y'all done? Man. Yeah, we're done with that one. Okay, so hey, so like we mentioned, all these things that we were talking about earlier, you know, the rising fears mixed with already raging culture wars that have been started by evangelical evangelical groups for years, you know, attacking different uh, aspects of secular entertainment industry uh, for brainwashing our youth and otherwise, you know, being responsible for the ills of society. Um, mm-hmm. But according to Tipper Gore, who ultimately founded the PMRC, although she wasn't the president, I was I was surprised to know. But she's the most well known person, so she sort of became the you know, um, you know, the, I would say the unofficial spokesperson or the uh, mascot for it. Um, mm-hmm. It was one particular 1984 song that her then 11 year old daughter uh, was was listening to that fueled her anger. So once again, Ooh. it's time to play. You're gonna burn it. All right, so I'm going to give you three songs, Kat. Okay. One of these songs shocked, so thoroughly shocked uh, Tipper Gore that she okay. began the well-known crusade for, for music labeling. Okay. Uh, and there, these are three songs that are on the, on the 5th of 15. We've mentioned mm-hmm. one already, uh, Ray has. Mm-hmm. Here, was it Darling Nikki by Prince, mm-hmm. Shebop by Cyndi Lauper, or Dress You Up by Madonna? Well, I'm, I'm familiar with... Purple Rain and Prince's mm-hmm. themes, and I'm yep. I'm gonna go with Darling Nikki. That's right. I was right. Oh my gosh. Nice. <laughs> I was hoping it wasn't Dress You Up. <laughs> I I was really hoping These it wasn't that like one. It. I thought no, that can't be it. Yeah. <laughs> so just a few years ago, Ms. Gore t- told uh, Tom Tom Magazine that her youngest daughters were eight and six when she bought them Prince's Purple Rain. She said, "Quote: I thought rock and roll, it's fine. Then they came to me and said, Mom, listen to this.'" Uh, her daughters played Darling Nikki f- for them uh, and uh, with lyrics describing Nikki as, quote, masturbating to a magazine. Um, so, you know, Gore felt okay. it was too much, too, uh, the, the content was too mature for, for her kids at that age. And so she, she decided to return the album to the store. She took it back to the store and said uh, to them, quote, I didn't know these lyrics were so explicit. And they said, well, you opened this and played it. And I said, well, is there any way you could tell me beforehand? And they said, no. And so that made me angry. Ah, oh, that sparked it. And Susan Baker, who's another co-founder of the PMRC, told Newsweek in 2015 a similar story. She said for her, it was like a virgin. According to Baker, her daughter said, <laughs> quote, Mama, what's a virgin? End quote. Uh, and <laughs> while here, she was still playing it with dolls at seven. I don't believe these stories. I think this is, my kids have never said to me, look, I, I don't police them maybe as well as ultimately <laughs> you should. And I do, I do. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But my kids would have a different tact if they thought something was offensive, I think. And if it was innocent, then yeah, they would ask. But I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think these stories are true. Interesting. In his 1989 memoir, the, the real Frank Zappa, Zappa, who would later testify during the Senate hearings, we're going to talk about that. Oh. He seemed to question Gore's account. He wrote that uh, she had, quote, <laughs> I can just hear him saying this like in an incredulous voice. He quote, uh, she quote, bought her eight-year-old daughter a copy of the soundtrack album to Prince's Purple Rain, an R-rated film. Right. Which had already what? generated considerable controversy for its sexual content. And for some reason, however, she was shocked when her daughter pointed out there was a reference to masturbation. And <laughs> quote. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she said she bought the record for them. I mean. And she called on. it, hey, rock and roll. Yeah, what? I mean, come on. <laughs> Do your research. <laughs> uh, now, Can- Candy Stroud, who was a, who a journalist and a 
the a PMRC, PMRC spokesperson at the time, she told what I think is a more believable story. She said, quote, I remember one time one of my kids said, listen to this song, but don't listen to the lyrics, mom. You won't like them. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. what my kids would probably do. <laughs> yeah. Now, see, my oldest, she would just listen to it and it'd be no big deal. Yeah. My youngest would be walking around the house singing the inappropriate <laughs> lyrics at the top of his lungs oh my goodness. <laughs> and laughing about it. Masturbating with the magazine. Or he'd be like, she bop. He, he'd be dancing. <laughs> we bop. Oh my Wouldn't God. Wouldn't you like to be a bop or two? <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so not long after this happened, Gore, along with Susan Baker, who I mentioned, who was the then Treasury Secretary, was then the wife of the Treasury Secretary James Baker, Sally Nevius, who was the wife of a Washington City Council member, and Ethel Ann Stuckey, who was the uh, wife of a former Georgia congressman, and a number of others formed the uh, PMRC. And of course, if you didn't, if you don't recall, Tipper Gore was the wife of then Senator Al Gore. Okay. Um, yes. And they are known as the Washington Wives, the original four yeah. members of the PMRC. Okay. So it turns out a number of these folks, and there's some 20 odd uh, women that created this group, had a number of familial connections with, uh, including spouses, many of them were spouses, mm-hmm. that were in office at the time. Uh, but they took up the fight that was started two years earlier by the National Parent Teacher Association, asking the Recording Industry Association of America to implement a ratings system similar to what, to what we had for films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so consumers would know about the content of the music before they purchased it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, Gore said that she was uh, most concerned with the more violent, misogynistic kinds of imagery that were being marketed at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what else is fun about the the founding of the PMRC? What's up? Uh, Mike Love of the Beach Boys yep. and Joseph Coors of the Coors Beer people yep. partially funded the group. Really? Oh. I find that interesting yeah. that a, a beer company would be yeah. that interested in what's, <laughs> yeah. if there's a sticker on the albums well, or not. Maybe they're like, look, we got to label our cans and tell people how much <laughs> alcohol is in it. You got to <laughs> like, put something yeah. on your songs. I, uh, maybe it was a tactic to say, look, they won't let people drink beer till they're 21. Maybe we can get different labels for light oh. beer. So you can start drinking at 12. Huh. So like they, yeah, it forced them to change maybe, the beer. Yeah, you know, right. Clause. Maybe mm-hmm. we can get a rating system. Mm. Right. Tiered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, back, that yeah. backfired horribly like, on them. Like the stuff that you like to drink, right? People could start drinking that at like eight. Right. It's basically water. It's like light beer. Yeah. So right, you got the, the next five songs of the, the, the Filthy 15. Yes. <laughs> we are up to Venom's. Song Possessed. You got to take a guess, though. Oh, oh, oh. Guess, I have to guess the category yeah. now? Yes. You, you, uh-huh. you, you, I thought you, you were going to tell me something. All right. you, you have the all the you name of the song That's all is I get. Possessed. Well, okay. <laughs> so I'm thinking a cult. It's got to be a cult, right? Okay. <laughs> yes, indeed, you do. This is the occult. Finally. <laughs> I drink the vomit of the priest... Make love with the dying whore, Satan. As my master incarnate, hell prays to the unholy host. You know, just like Shebop, I don't Fun. understand why. Oh, this yeah, is just like Shebop. Yeah. 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 A lot of metaphors. <laughs> it sounds like so much fun. Uh, as Will pointed out, they are credited among controversy, but still credited as the inventors of uh, black metal. Okay. Which is. Uh, basically, you paint your face up like a corpse with black and white makeup, and you make videos mm. out in the frozen forests of Sweden and Denmark and places <laughs> like that. <laughs> and you re- you record in a bathroom on a boombox to make your albums. It's a you, there's a 
very strict code in black metal you got to follow. Have you done this, Ray? No, I always wanted to be in a black metal band, though, because it just looked like so much fun. Um, that, I, I was is it King Diamond that's the lead singer of Venom? No, Kronos oh, oh, is Kronos. the lead singer. Okay. And <laughs> the most filthy thing about Venom is Kronos' stupid hairdo. Okay. His, hair, his hairline goes across the center of his head mm-hmm. from ear to ear, and everything else is just long. The front is completely bald, and everything from their back is long. That sounds like this a is the bad, wildest thing I've seen. A bad clown wig or something. It's oh crazy. God. But I yeah, this, they, <laughs> this is this is the album came out in '85. Okay. In '81, they had an album called "Welcome to Hell." '82 <laughs> is black metal, and mm-hmm. then you have '85, a possessed. So I mean, you know. Throw a dart, pick a song. This one was easy to put on this list. Okay. But for right. them being on this list, like people in the U.S. especially, they didn't know, had no idea who Venom was, right? Most normal people didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, in the metal community, they were gaining a following because they were so different from everybody else. So, and most little record stores, like Will probably knows this, imports would come in from Europe and other places and they would be on the top of the counter Like they didn't even go into the racks. Imports (laughs) were on the counter and they cost more, but then you can buy Venom or other stuff. I was stretching my pennies. I couldn't pick those up. (laughs) (laughs) So far, you've nailed every single one of these, haven't you? I guess so. (laughs) Let's see. Let's get you. (laughs) Let's see if you can figure this one out. ACDC from the 1980 Back in Black. Mm -hmm. This album is certified 25 times platinum. And this song still made the list. Let me put my love into you. (laughs) (laughs) Let me do a process of elimination here. (laughs) Not a cult. (laughs) I got to go with sex. That's right. That's right again. (laughs) And this was funny because... It's a double entendre that gets him in trouble here. Oh, let's hear it. Don't you struggle. Don't you fight. Let me put my love into you. Oh. Let me cut oh. your cake with my knife. That sounds oh. awful. Oh, yeah. then there's definitely <laughs> violence involved too. Oh my. Well, this one got it for oh. sexuality, uh, profane. Okay. Because you can't just put your love in people. I agree. When they're fighting you. you? Yeah. It's frowned upon in polite society to try and put your love into random strangers. Yeah. Or <laughs> cut Who'd their cake. Yes. Is that like slicing their sugar walls? What? Is that, I was going to say sugar walls. Oh no. ACDC. It'd be so easy to find an ACDC song that was less, uh, you needed less, uh, I don't know, leaps of our in- right. interpreting of poems. I mean, they had Highway to Hell was huge at the time. Hell's Bells was huge at the time. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> but that title, Let Me Put My Love Into You. Well, I, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's not as, um, <laughs> it doesn't stand out as much as some it's of the others. It's not quite family friendly, but still. Right, right. <laughs> so. All right. So we are up to Merciful Fate. Mm. This is King Diamond. Oh, this is King Diamond, yeah. And oh. the song is Into the Coven from 1983's album, okay. Melissa. That word coven, that's, yeah. that's making me think of uh, some occult sort of <laughs> things. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, yeah, this is the first song written by Merciful Fate originally titled Love Criminals. Mm. This one gets in trouble for the simple lyrics. <laughs> come, come into my coven and become Lucifer's child. Oh. Now at the time, Merciful Fate, much like Venom, they're, this band's from Denmark. Mm. So 
for them to find this album to get to this song at that time, had to go to a record store and ask for imports. Right. Right. Give me the littlest known American thing (laughs) that you have that I can take and wave around over my head. Mm. Like their record collection is better than a lot of metalheads. Yeah, you know at what? This time. If it's if it's my theory where they send some interns to a record store in, in DC somewhere, like you said, Ray, these imports might have been sitting on the counter, and so they're even leaving. They already got their she bops, and they're and they're like, okay, oh wait, 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 what's this one here? <gasps> Ooh, yeah, we'll take this one too. How much? Uh, well. uh, I'm a Washington wife. Do I right. get a discount? My credit card. But uh, Rolling Stone ranks yep. this album as the 17th greatest metal album of all time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And uh-huh. King Diamond is a Satanist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Legitimate. So I can see where they'd be like a cult and they'd be, yep, mm-hmm. you're right. He's a Anton LaVey Satanist. Huh. Uh, he is no longer one, but okay. I believe he's an atheist now. But at the yeah. time when all this was going down, he was a legitimate Satanist. So maybe they were right. Yeah. Maybe this did need an occult sticker so that I could find it quicker. <laughs> <laughs> I've read that King Diamond, you know, had been into horror at the time, but he started seriously investigating the cult after experiencing a glass levitating in the studio. Oh. <laughs> so, hmm. He might not have glass. just been into horror. He might have been into other things too, like that haunted house Prince visited. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's who was in the haunted house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I only know a teeny bit about King Diamond because of uh, one of our uh, um, frequent posters in the green room. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nathan. Yeah. So that brings us to uh, now it's getting harder mm. to figure out what these are now, Kat. So you're going to have to oh, listen good. closely. Mm. Okay. I want some challenges here. This yeah. is In My House by the Mary Jane Girl. I will give you the clue that Rick James wrote this one. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) she's a very special girl (laughs) in my house. (laughs) Wow, that's a great mashup. Don't take home to mother (laughs) in my house. (laughs) Okay, well, that's leading me in a certain direction. (laughs) More sex. (laughs) Yep. So anyways, this song actually hit number seven on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Wow. That's why I heard it. It's another 1985 song. I don't... Hmm. I'm trying to remember when this song came out. I was, you know, I I didn't... I think it was one of those songs I DJed with. Okay. I don't remember thinking it was overtly sexual or... I mean, I probably got the metaphors, but... Let's see if this gets your juices flowing. (laughs) What did Cena Easton say? Uh, Something about the blood going to this... Yeah. (laughs) Private parts or... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when it comes down to making love, Private spots. I'll satisfy your every need and every fantasy you think up. Okay. All right. That's yeah. what got him in trouble. That's that's not. That, I think that sounds no great. <laughs> that sounds like a great deal. <laughs> like if she was on one of them dating sites, that's what her thing would say, right? Yeah. <laughs> Add for a 900 number. Yeah. <laughs> <In> the 80s. <laughs> Once again, I checked this one out. This one wasn't too awful. I remember reading that uh, folks, members of the, the Mary Jane uh, the group said that the fact that they were on the PMRC really impacted their future. That as a result, you know, they think their careers would have been much larger, but for the fact that they were labeled as, uh, you know, <laughs> well, but, offensive. Hey, it could have gone the other. <laughs> it seems like everybody who gets involved with Rick James somehow or way 
ends up with a, a great story, but doesn't like make any money. Oh. So that gets us to our Union Jack wearing boys from England, Def Leppard. Oh, yeah. With the song High and Dry, Saturday Night. I had this, I had this on cassette. Did you? Yeah. Everybody I did. did. One of my first cassettes I ever had. Maybe <laughs> the first cassette I had. Oh, wow. I can't remember. I had, Def Leppard was the earliest, some of the earliest music that I got. Uh, got. Like I mentioned, I think it was, uh, you know, Men at Work was the first 45 I remember buying, but uh, mm-hmm. I had Def mm-hmm. Leppard on cassette, I think even before that. Men at Work was my first cassette. I received that as a present. My first piece of music yeah. that I owned. I didn't own any Def Leppard, but I <gasps> I knew them. Yeah. I, well. <laughs> I knew I them. Can you, them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew them. They grew up down the street from me. <laughs> No. <laughs> they were shore boys. No. Dry <laughs> dry makes me think of lack of drugs and alcohol. <laughs> okay. There you go. What about the high part, cat? <laughs> oh, oh, that's the high part. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. This one, uh, this is one of the older songs on this list from 1981. VH1 ranks it the 33rd greatest metal song of all time. Oh, all right. Uh, with the exciting lyrics, and it sounds like a good time. Uh, Saturday <laughs> yeah. night, or no, Saturday, I feel right. I've been drinking all day. I got my whiskey. I got my wine. Mm-hmm. Got my woman. And this time, the lights are going out. <laughs> there you go. And they're going to go to sleep, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, here's the fun part about Def Leppard. Uh, the filthiest thing about this band is not this song. The yep. PMRC is incorrect. Okay. Mm. Def Leppard, mm. under their stage, had a secret groupie room so that the oh. members, while a guitar solo was being played, oh. mm-hmm. could oh have sex with women below the stage. Oh, boy. And the one guitar player said, and I believe it's in their VH1 behind the scenes, that at one time he had sex with a mother and daughter at the same time under the stage while the other guitar player was playing a solo. You know, I got to say um, something here. Okay, um, I'm sorry, Kat. Do you have a? No, I have nothing to <laughs> okay. say about that. I, I have. Wow. I'll just say it this way: I have a hard time using a public restroom. You know, I get shy in a public <laughs> restroom. I find it hard to believe that you got a guitar solo. You got your timing things to accomplish, Dory. That you're able to do that. That's just come on, right? Hey. Yep. I. I. Yep. I don't doubt it. <laughs> I guess. I mean, they Maybe built a room for it. Maybe if you're in enough. Drugs, but I mean, come on! Look, they're coming to the what the wow. you know playing at some every venue they they build this room. Yes, it's a part of their stage. Oh, for crying out loud! I don't. Know. I believe it was even. You, you remember when they had the rotating one? I believe it was <laughs> built into what? that too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I need come to on. Unknow this. If I need you, to unknow this. If you started rotating the public restroom I was in, and I knew I had only a few <laughs> minutes to use it, there's no way I could go. <laughs> Are we moving on? <laughs> yep, moving on. So on September 19th, 1985, the PMRC's efforts culminate in a much publicized Senate hearing to consider the group's proposal. Um, there, Tipper Gore advocated for you know war- a warning label on music products inappropriate for younger children due to explicit sexual or violent lyrics. Alongside members of the PMRC, the Senate uh, Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation. I don't know how it felt to that what? particular committee, except for the fact that uh, Al Gore sat on that committee. Maybe that's why. Mm. Well, that would make sense. I, I guess. I, I don't know. This is, I couldn't figure it, find out. Uh, but uh, in addition to uh, 
the PMRC being there, we heard testimony from three popular musicians, Frank Zappa, Dee Snyder, and John Denver. Quite an okay. unlikely super John Denver? Group. Yeah. Yeah. So ah. the, testimony, the testimony offered by these music legends was surprising for different reasons. Uh, for example, Frank Zappa had short hair and wore a suit. And I th- I'm guessing the Senate <laughs> committee and the PMRC was also shocked, you know, by these types of things. And if you recently listen, uh, if you read accounts by Larry Stein, uh, uh, Zappa's attorney, they were very calculated. They knew what they had to do to be able to, you know, make a good impression. Okay. But uh, so while Frank looked very conservative, Larry Stein, who also accompanied Zappa during the, his testimony, was according to Stein, dressed more like Sonny Crockett, wearing a silver tie <laughs> hanging loose around his neck. <laughs> uh, D. Snyder appeared without his signature makeup and explained that he was uh, born and raised a Christian and still adhered to those principles and said, quote, believe it or not, I do not smoke, I do not drink, and I do not, dr- I do, not do drugs. I pride myself on writing songs that are consistent with my above mentioned beliefs, end quote. And regarding the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, their song being on the list, it's like what Ray said. They were like, I think you're getting us mixed up with the video. That's like a joke video. It's, there's right, nothing offensive right. about these lyrics. I thought mm-hmm. one of the great exchanges, there's all these testimonies great. If you want to listen to it, um, we can't mm-hmm. do it justice, but there's so many great moments. But one of the mm-hmm. D Snyder, there's a couple of funny ones from D Snyder, including the fact that, um, and they get into it. Frank Zappa gets it into it with one senator. Oh, um, cool. <laughs> D Snyder has a, a lot of exchanges with the Al Gore. Oh, and, wow. uh, including the fact that, um, <laughs> well, first of all, D Snyder during his testimony suggests that if, uh, they, they have this one, one song about, uh, D. Snyder says it's about surgery. They were saying it's about S and M. D. Snyder in his testimony says, if 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 Ms. Gore saw S and M in this in the lyrics of the song, it's something in her mind. It's not in the lyrics here. <laughs> wow. But also about the, after telling saying that he was a Christian, uh, uh, Al Gore said asks uh, D. Snyder whether uh, the his fan group, which was and D. Snyder says what the fan group's name is, which is, uh, it's like yeah, the, they're the SMF. Yeah. The SMF, the, what's the S? Oh, hmm. stupid, stupid, stupid mother <laughs> fans of to his sister. Okay. Al Gore asks, is that a Christian group? <laughs> of course he's being sarcastic, <laughs> trying to facetious, right? yeah, counter, uh, <laughs> D Snyder's claims Re- wow. regarding John Denver. D Snyder told Newsweek in 2015 that he and Zappa had no idea how Denver would testify. According to Snyder, since Denver was a mom American pie, this is Snyder's quote, a mom American American pie, John Denver Christmas special, fresh scrubbed guy, quote, yeah. unquote, everyone expected he would be on the side of censorship. But then Denver compared the labeling suggestion to Nazi book burning and per Snyder, quote, you should have seen the committee start running for the hills. Wow. <laughs> and he explained that he and Zappa, who were at the back of the hall, started cheering and jumping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was gonna. Is- I just wanted to point out that the other yeah. video they showed yeah. during the hearings was hot for teacher, right, right. And right. they had to wait for all the women in the courtroom to cool down enough that they could continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, of, uh, David Leibroth. <laughs> because this is the greatest song and video oh, yeah. of all time. Because so. of course, oh, oh yes. You mean they didn't show Duran Duran's uh, Rio? No, which is weird. Or but. girls Hungry on like film. like the wolf or girls on film. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> Denver, I thought it was great. During, again, all their testimonies are fantastic. And the fact that these uh, three guys, and, and Denver and Zappa did not have a song on the list. You know, Snyder was the only one with skin yeah. in the game, so to speak. But Zappa had been through it in the 60s, huh. uh, f- fighting with censorship. And Zappa actually tells a story that even before this labeling started, he started putting a label on his own record saying, <laughs> he had a warning and a guarantee. It was like a warning the music on here is music that has content that no free society should fear. 
and a guarantee that listening to it wouldn't send you to hell, basically. <laughs> but, and, and John Denver, you know, who explained, who you wouldn't think otherwise would maybe have skin in the game, but explained how his song Rocky Mountain High had actually faced some censorship oh. on radio stations because people thought he was talking about doing drugs when he was saying, you know, these are folks that never have been to the Rockies. You know, I've never experienced how exhilarating it is to be out there. Well, um, clearly I wouldn't have picked up on that because I missed <laughs> the word high and <laughs> right. leopard song. <laughs> and also he said his film, Oh God, you know, he was in those Oh God films with uh, uh, Georgia Burns. He said those films were censored where some theaters wouldn't show the name on the marquee, uh, even though they were showing the film. Uh, wow. But um, anyway, if you have a chance, you should check it out. It's really pretty fantastic. Right. You cool. got the final five. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, we are up to Judas Priest, Eat Me Alive. <laughs> oh my goodness. This could be many categories. <clears throat> yes. Is it metaphorical? Mm. Is it literal? How about, I'm going for the sex again. <laughs> All right. Yep. <laughs> this one is written by the lead singer, Rob Halford. The guitar players, KK and Glenn, gave him some riffs and said, here, Work on this. So he got lit up like a Christmas tree and started writing. And when he woke up, he took all this <laughs> and turned it into the lyrics. So all night he'd been writing S&M lyrics. Yeah. Oh my. So when they landed on the okay. Filthy 15, he said, I don't get it because I already censored out all the really bad stuff that I wrote. Let's <laughs> oh, see what that version is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is from the album Defenders of the Faith, 1984. This is another platinum album. U.S. Billboard 200 made it to number 18, which is crazy because mm -hmm. this is one of their lesser known, or no, the album yep. is okay. number 18. And they would eventually write the song Parental Guidance to mm. counteract the PMRC on uh, one of their other albums. Right. But hmm. uh, Wow. So here are the lyrics that got them in the hot waters. <laughs> Grown in the pleasure zone, mm. gasping from the heat. I'm going to force you at gunpoint oh, to eat me alive. Squealing in passion as the rod okay. steel injects. I, you know, there's so many, it's like so many mixed metaphors in that phrase you just read. I can't even follow. Is it violent? Is it sexual? Is it uh, a science experiment? I don't. <laughs> like I said, he said he, he said he cut out all the bad stuff. So, well, I mean, forcing someone at gunpoint to do anything is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to wonder what was the bad stuff. If yeah, I would love, yeah. love to see the lyric sheet that he woke up to yeah. in the morning. Oh my goodness gracious. Mm. I, I hope someday that I can find it. I hope he's got it somewhere yeah. and he puts yeah. it online because mm. that would be amazing to see what he cut oh, out. So we're up to Madonna, dress you up. <laughs> I, 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 this is shocking to me. I mean- Gonna dress you up with my love. <laughs> what? Yeah. All over, a, all, all over. over. <laughs> so how do you think this one got in the hot water? Hmm. Well, it's Madonna. Yeah. It has to be it's sex. only one way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the simple line is, gonna dress you up in my love all over your body. That was enough for them to land I mean, on this list. What? Uh, look, I am not against what? parents knowing what's in something, right? We got movie ratings. I go on websites and see what's in a film before my kids listen to it. Mm -hmm. But how prudish do you have to be that you're eliminating all metaphorical references that are, you know? Yeah. Wow. This one is uh, the fifth single from the Like a Virgin album. 
Mm-hmm. By the way, that's not on the list though, right? I mean, come on. No, it's not. <laughs> Susan Baker said, right? It was Virgin. Her kid, daughter asked yeah. what Virgin but was. They put, but they put this one on. Uh, but oh. I didn't even write this one. Two other people wrote it. It was a last minute addition to the album because she pushed because she liked the lyrics. Yep. Okay. It's a good song. Uh, I no, like that song. Yeah. yeah Number five yeah. on the Hot Billboard 100. I like it too. I think I've noticed something. Hmm. So quite a few of the uh, the songs are women or female artists, it seems like. I'm curious what percentage. And how does it compare to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame percentage? I want to see. <laughs> oh, she's just trying well, to light a fire here now. <laughs> what's, uh, it is curious that they picked on women, especially. And all the women's songs, if I'm remembering correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, Yeah, have to do with sex. That's correct. <laughs> and the males have other categories. So there, there's five out of the 15 are, are females. Wow. And they are all sex. That's right. Wow. But this is not the filthiest thing Madonna's done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's made a coffee book. That's not the filthiest thing. She had sex with Dennis Rodman. That's not even the filthiest thing this woman's done. <laughs> Why is Dennis Rodman getting shade? <laughs> In 2013, she attended Hamilton and texted during the entire oh. performance. <laughs> oh, yes. that's and pretty rude. Miranda... Yeah. Yep. who is the creator of it, mm-hmm. had, has banned her from all future performances. Wow. That is terrible. That is terrible. Yeah, that is just... filthy disgusting. You should never do that when you're at a performance. The committee for that. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you say that, Ray. Yep. <laughs> Let's start a committee. So we are now mm-hmm. on the actual Prince oh. song, Darling Nikki. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. sex. <laughs> are you sure, though? Um, oh, okay. Me not being great at remembering lyrics. Oh, I've already um, talked about this. <laughs> it's masturbating. I thought you were st- <laughs> Yes. I thought, is there something else that, that this committee decided to put it in that made no sense? <laughs> no, this is from the soundtrack. Yep. This is, uh, uh, this is when Apollonia runs off with that other dude. Yeah, so he sings this one and- <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, says, "Hey, she likes to masturbate to magazines." Ha ha ha! I know, right? What a dig! And that she is. gets upset and runs off. Yeah, I know. This is so silly. Who wrote this silly movie? But um, <laughs> Prince. <laughs> the album would go thirteen times platinum and sell twenty-five million copies. So, I bet there's a lot of tippers out there who tried to return this to the store after they opened it. <laughs> if you listen to Frank Zappa, it's unlikely. It's unlikely they didn't know what they were getting into. Yeah. Uh, this is the this is the actual lines that got him in trouble. I knew a girl named Nikki. I guess you could say she was a sex fiend. I met her in a hotel lobby masturbating with a magazine. Well, you know, there you go. We said this before. It's not that masturbating is a problem. It's where the time and place of your choosing <laughs> exactly. has to be private. Contextual. <laughs> yes. yes. So we've eliminated on Zoom with on an office meeting. Walmart. Yeah, Walmart. <laughs> on a bus. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And now we can add uh, hotel, hotel lobby yeah. to the list. Yeah. But yeah, this is yep. weird because this is the song that uh, she claims that her daughter was yeah. prancing wow. around dressed in all purple. And you know what? I don't even <laughs> like that song. It's like the weakest song on the album, I think. It's terrible. It's not a good it's, song. No. Yeah. Not my favorite. So now we are up to the bad boys from Motley Crue and their song, Bastard. Oh my. That's the name of the song? Yes. Um, so silly. 
This is from the album Shout at the Devil in 1983. So again, they're going through it. They're going through the record store. You see the pentagram on the cover. That's Shout at the Devil. Everybody knows that. (laughs) But then they look through the songs and they pick Bastard. (laughs) I don't know that song or any of the other songs. And I don't know how to answer because Bastard does not help me (laughs) in any way. Except I'm going to occult. How about because you said something about the, what's the name of the album it's from? Shout at the devil. Shout at the devil. I'm saying occult. Oh, oh, it's for violence. Oh, well, bastard is a song. Hear. It's a song about murder. Oh so. man! Out go the lights. In goes my knife. Pull out your life. Consider that bastard dead. Oh, <laughs> and there went my winning streak. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Molly Crew. <laughs> uh, I think this song was only picked because of the title. Okay. Not the actual content. I think they just wanted to say a bad word in court. <laughs> which uh, Motley Crue was thrilled to be on the list. Um, <laughs> the sticker pretty much guaranteed, you know, sales. In 87, when the uh, Girls, Girls, Girls single came out, they made two versions. This is how clever they are. Mm. They made the normal version that you would mm-hmm. get anywhere. Mm-hmm. And they made a second one, the X-rated version and the cover photo said men only. Oh, boy. So if you see the two different videos for the single, they're okay. in strip clubs and everything. And one is an X-rated version and one's the normal version. Okay. So they cashed in on the sticker first chance they got. Right? Well, yeah. those lyrics do sound pretty violent. Gotta say. Mm-hmm. You know, Kat, you make a point, you make a, you just further drive this point that did these, the people that put this list together really didn't know what they were listening to or weren't paying close <laughs> enough attention, right? Because again, mm-hmm. this is an album called Shout Out the Devil. So you think you'd definitely find a cult if you right. wanted to make that point. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, uh, the, the, the record had a warning on it that said uh, the record uh, can, may contain backwards uh, masking, right? And in fact, I think it did. I think they, they, think they did actually put a, something on there. Oh. Uh, maybe it was them saying Shout Out the Devil backwards or something like that. But, is that um, one of their songs, Shout 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 at the Devil? Is that... Yep, that yep. would okay, be from the one. album Shout at the one. Devil. Okay. That would be the song Shout at the Devil. But yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the name okay. of the video also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Good. Glad you clarified that. <laughs> uh, yeah, these guys are legendary for being filthy, so there's not much. It'd take us hours and hours to go over all the filthy things they've done. Yep. So they so. have a filthy 15 of their own, I guess. That brings right. us to Wasp. Animal f- like a beast. So, what do you think, Kat? What's oh this one going God. down for? So you got animals involved. Are we sure yeah. I can't have multiple categories here? That <laughs> could be any of them. <laughs> I guess I'll go with the most obvious. Mm-hmm. Sex. <laughs> yeah, this one, they didn't have to look very far. We're going right to the front of the f- lyric sheet for this one. Yes. In I got word. pictures of naked ladies lying on my bed. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm making artificial love for free. I start to howl. I'm in heat. Okay. I feel like a beast. Wow. That's the opening lines to the song. Okay. This was originally intended to be the first single on their first album. The record company said, hell no, nah, that ain't happening. Removed it from the album completely. So they had to go to a different company to release this thing in the UK as there's as a single. Wow. This song would not make it to an album 
until 88 when a live version was released. Mm-hmm. And then in 90, it took till 1998 for this thing to be put back on the original album and the re-release as the first song on the album. With a nice big sticker. <laughs> now, there's, there's the uh-huh. real background story to the song, why he wrote it. Let's hear there's, it. There's the actual thing that happened, and here's what he says, what he likes to say. Mm. I hooked up a videotape in my bedroom, rolled it back, and made it rhyme. Wait, what? The actual, <laughs> this is when he asked, what's the song about? Yeah. He said, I hooked up a videotape in my bedroom, uh-huh. rolled it back, and made it rhyme. Rolled it? Wait. Uh, he ba- basically is saying, I put a camera in my bedroom, watched myself oh, have sex, oh. and then wrote the lyrics. Oh. The, oh, I see. the actual background, okay. though, of the idea came from... He was flipping through National Geographic's and yeah. saw pictures of two lions having sex. Oh, okay. Oh. That is the actual moment when he said, mm. I'm going to write a song called this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. so <laughs> which sounds less interesting. Which sounds, or, it's or still funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I will end our Filthy 15 from the album Live in the Raw, 1987. Okay. Before... One of the songs, this is what Blackie has to say to the PMRC. I've been reading an awful lot in the newspapers and the magazines about me and my boys here. And I was (laughs) reading one article in particular about an organization you might have heard of them before. They're called the PMRC. And when I read that they think that we are sexual perverts. (laughs) Now, this is coming from an organization that's called the Washington Wives. And I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like some sort of goddamn Jackie Collins Hollywood novel, if you ask me. So this is for that bunch. They can suck me, suck me, eat me raw. This is harder, faster. So he wrote a whole song for them. Oh (laughs) my goodness. Okay. Ray, I have a question for you because, you know, in researching the Filthy 15, now look, we're doing this episode because Kat pointed out, hey, you guys have referred to this number of times, but have we really ever gone into it or gone through this? And we hadn't. It turns out. Mm -hmm. Um, But last week we were talking about Wasp's 40th anniversary tour coming up. And Ray was excited because they're going back to the beginning, which is what Blackie Blackie said, as far as their old shows, how offensive they were. But I I saw in 2015, as you know, Blackie, Blackie, I'm sorry, predating after the PMRC thing, Blackie at some point becomes a born again Christian Mm -hmm. and he doesn't do Animal anymore. And in 2015, he told Rolling Stone, I've been a born again Christian. I've not played the song for almost 10 years where is, do you know where he's at now? Are we going to hear Animal on the tour? Is he? I do not know what the song list is going to be. I know the stage show is the original stage show, but in the promo, in the promo I saw today, yeah. he mentions songs from other albums. So I huh. don't know. I guess we're just going to have to wait until yeah. they hit the stage and we'll see which songs they pick. But I can't imagine that they're not going to play it. He says they're going back to the beginning, but it's obviously he's censoring himself because of his newfound faith. I don't right. know. It's, yeah. Huh. Well, you're going to have to let us know, Ray. <laughs> People I am, are going to be I, mad if, if they go and see well, it some different show hey, than they're expecting. Hey, here's what I think. I think this is the, because he's older now, obviously. I think this is his cash grab. And I think if mm-hmm. they play the song, they're going to sell a lot more tickets because yeah. nobody's heard this thing live in a decade mm. or more. Right. And in the U.S., they almost never come here. So I think hmm. this is their, if this is your chance. If you want to hear Animal, we're going to open the show with it and we're going <laughs> to, yeah. you know, 
So you're we're saying gonna, they should advertise it. Like, we're going to do this. One. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they're going to, when they hit Europe, I think they'll, they'll play it and it's going to start the, the metal community, especially going, all right, this is, this is it. I got to go. Cause mm-hmm. I'm yeah. never going to have another chance to hear this song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing live. They're one of the greatest live bands ever. If you, you know, if you're into that sort of thing, being mm-hmm. shocked, and appalled. <laughs> <laughs> So in the end, the list had nine uh, tagged for uh, explicit, as they refer to it, which is the sexual references. Uh, two were for violence, uh, two were uh, occult, and two were drug and alcohol references. So, Kat, you were close in your guess for three. I, I was stunned. I thought I would trick you up, you know, maybe trick you, because <laughs> in the end, this, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, fear was about uh, sex. Mm-hmm. Unless about the devil, at least with regard to that. But again, this hmm. furor was in connection with, you know, the, again, the fears that were started by the, the, sat- the satanic panic earlier in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And I blame that one guy again, Pazder. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, yep. look, the list is ridiculous. There's a number of different reasons uh, these songs shouldn't be on here. But I guess, you know, personally, I'm not against labeling. That's fine. It's a shortcut. Huh. The government shouldn't yeah. be involved, though, because uh, and I, and yeah. I don't think it would have. It, it couldn't ever. It would never pass First Amendment scrutiny for the government to get involved in deciding what's offensive or not. That would never right, survive. Right. But mm-hmm. I rely on movie ratings. But more, even more than that, I rely nowadays. Thank God for the internet. I guess because I, I can Google and see or ask on Facebook. Hey, is it okay for my seven-year-old to see this? Yeah, I see this already. What's in it? Mm-hmm. You know, there's websites mm-hmm. dedicated to that. It helps as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was uh, one of the interesting exchanges from uh, Al Gore and D. Snyder was. You know, D. Snyder obviously is saying we shouldn't label these things. It's a form of censorship. And, and Al Gore says something to the effect of, what do you expect the parents to listen to every song on the album before they <laughs> let their kids hear it? Do you think that's reasonable, Mr. Snyder? Right. And D. Snyder says, <laughs> paraphrasing here, there's nothing reasonable about being a parent. <laughs> you <laughs> well, do what he said. When wrong. You, he said, you don't know it to become a parent. And he was just a new father at this point. He had a baby. Okay. He said, you find out you're doing a whole, you do a whole lot of unreasonable things, you know, to take care of your kids. Uh, I guess the postscript to this is ultimately, obviously, as everybody knows, the uh, recording industry agreed to voluntarily place these stickers, the parent parental advisory explicit content stickers on their on albums of their choosing. There's a little more to the background of the story and some maybe minor controversies to how what ultimately happened, but. Uh, that's what happened ultimately. Of course, from many's perspectives, it became the uh, greatest marketing uh, tool to <laughs> underage buyers that the uh, record companies could have ever have dreamt up. Um, this, um, and, okay, so there you go. Um, but per Snyder, the majority of fans didn't understand the full significance of the labeling proposal. Uh, the, the battle of cry of teens, according to Snyder at the time, had become, now we know what records to buy, end quote. But Snyder said that was, quote, bullshit. Uh, his concern was that the sticker would be used to segregate records. And as he and Zappa predicted, Walmart mm-hmm. and other outlets started to refuse to carry records that had that sticker on them. Oh, and so instead, wow. record companies that wanted their CDs, you know, or record albums in Walmart, mm-hmm. for example, had to create entirely alternate versions of the songs. Wow. Free from what, you know, Walmart and the PMRC yeah. or, or the recording industry decided was offensive. Okay. I can tell you, I bought an album at, at uh, Walmart yeah. and I was like, where's the song I wanted? Oh no. I had to rebuy the same album <laughs> because they removed two of the songs. I think it was a Skid Row album. Mm. Okay. They took two of the songs off of it that were fun and, and 
yep. you know, lighthearted. <laughs> Violently and occult and yeah. sexy. Yep. And, uh, another funny thing, I, I, I do remember Blackie also said this about this same thing with the stickers. Yeah. Um, after the stickers went on their albums, within a month, um, the first album and the second album both went gold within a month. Mm. So mm. It, as soon as the stickers started hitting albums, they started flying off the shelves. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So it had a, yeah. It, yeah. it had the effect that, because he was originally asked to be at the hearings and said, no, this is good for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in addition mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, Ray had pointed out that uh, Blackley had created a, a song targeting or, or responding rather to the PMRC. Two months after the hearing, uh, Frank Zappa meets the Mothers of Prevention, hit the streets. It's a centerpiece of, uh, 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 sorry, the centerpiece of the American edition of the record. It was a 12 minute song called Porn Wars which was a sound collage of testimony uh, from the Senate hearing intermingled with uh, some leftover uh, pieces of other tracks. Um, Mm. All right. So, Hey, now that you know that, you know, and speaking of Frank Zappa (laughs) cat it's once again, it's time to play. You're going to burn it. Shoot. What did I, that's always happens. I got to get stuff right out of order. Okay. I'm going to just have to fake this one. All right. So in 1999, right, Ray, keep me honest here. Diva Zappa recorded a, a record. Uh, and and uh, at that time, Diva Zappa's track features a drummer, someone playing drums on that track, who is a person that we have mentioned throughout this uh, conversation about the fifth Filthy 15. So of all the characters we've mentioned here, who do you believe mm. played drums on the, uh, sure, Diva Zappa, I'm keeping on saying Frank, Diva Zappa track. D- yes, Diva Muffin. Diva? Diva Muffin Zappa is Frank Zappa's daughter. Okay, I know. What happened to Moon Unit? <laughs> Moon Unit's her sister. Okay, all right. But uh, uh, yeah, her full name is Diva Thin Muffin Pigeon Zappa. <laughs> so who do you think played drums on Diva's track? John Denver. <laughs> all right, John Denver, I think he was dead by 1999, oh, no. wasn't he? I don't remember. Yeah, he had a little it. accident. Uh, I'm just, John Denver? I'm pulling something from the air here. <laughs> it was Tipper Gore. What? Tipper Gore, Wait, who, what? <laughs> Tipper Gore, who was forever associated with the PMRC and demonized, probably really wrongly by many people as a result, uh, would go on to become friends with Frank Zappa and his family and ultimately wow. play drums on this track. And uh, Tipper's daughter, I don't know if it's the same daughter, though, that will listen to Darling. It is. Nikki. It's Kristen. Okay, Kristen would sing background vocals on this track as well. I am amazed by this. Yep. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so That's a while. I guess just to wrap this up, as the labeling issues faded away, uh, the focus switched then from the bands to the fans, uh, and specially designated cult cops, uh, local police officers that were trained and dispatched to investigate various things that may be associated with the occult, including graveyard vandalism and graffiti. There are videos on the internet of these training, these training videos that they showed to the police. Oh my gosh, look it up. It is just so ridiculous. And (laughs) It looks like it's staged where there's this one investigator going to these different scenes and saying like, oh, 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 look over here. We found, see, this is a pentagram. Let's keep moving through the park and see what else. Oh, look what I found here. This is a vial of a drug that's used to uh, subdue people probably before they're being sick. It's such a bunch of nonsense. Oh my goodness. But anyway, talk shows were filled <laughs> with guests who claim to be the victims or participants of gruesome rituals involving children. Again, this is after Michelle Remembers is debunked. And there was a similar mm-hmm. book, I think in the seventies that did this or sixties, debunked. These things were, wow. were not true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Pazder was part of the Cult Crime Impact Network, and he would lecture police agencies about satanic ritual abuse. 
to train these cops how to, you know, spot. Again, this guy was discredited. <laughs> wow. You know, and if you think this ends, anytime, I'm reminded, anytime you hear a story pop up in the news where some group is claiming that some other, some organization is eating babies or sacrificing, you still hear these stories. Yeah. It all has to be tied back to these debunked, long debunked uh, tales from the 1980s. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, so that's our show today. Um <laughs> It wouldn't be possible without the wonderful support of our many pa- patrons, including John Henderson, Craig Coletta, Bart Arnold, John Kaminsky, and John Reddick. And if you want to hear more like you did today, go to patreon.com slash 1980s now. Yeah, no, and hey, don't forget to listen to Ernie Hudson this Saturday, November mm-hmm. 20th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live. You can ask a question. You could just pass on a comment. Good job. High five. Whatever. (laughs) He will see it. We will get it to him right there live on the show. Right? Yep. Okay. Hey, uh, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. See ya. Later.